Welcome back to another episode of the Rec Center. He's Jack Ferris. I'm Lindsay Joy. And Jack, I gave you a little homework this week, but you ignored my text message, which I feel like we should tell the listeners is completely normal. So that's not abnormal in any way. But I texted you and I told you to watch something. And then I got no acknowledgement, not even like the passive aggressive like or question mark or anything. I got nothing. So how was liking passive aggressive? Not passive. I guess it's not passive aggressive. It's passive. I feel passive. like it's, I yeah, I feel like I added the wrong word there, but it's a passive mm-hmm. way to like acknowledge something Igno- without mm-hmm. responding to it. You easily could have just liked my text. Yeah, I could have. In acknowledgement that you saw it, whether or not you were going to follow through. So yeah, that was you, rude. Did you see it? Did you follow through? I did on both accounts. Nice. Okay, cool. So I texted Jack and I said, watch the Britney Hulu doc if you can. So that's obviously something that we are going to be talking about today. I wanted someone who isn't just like infinitely fascinated by her to watch it because I thought it was great and I needed a second opinion. Like a doctor, I needed I needed a second opinion there. So I'm glad that you um, took the time to watch it. Should we tell the people, go behind the scenes, tell the people what's going on with your audio? Just to... Uh, well, it doesn't know. really make a difference for them, but my... No, but I think it's funny. I got a new I got a new equipment here and this was work day one. This is podcast one of me using it. And my headphones are slowing everything down. So Lindsay's coming in at like half speed. So Lindsay sounds like she's in the witness protection program. Yeah. I just want I yeah. I'm imagining that. Like I'm picturing that that's what's happening for you. So I wanted the listeners to be able to imagine that I sound like, well, you they, know, like think about those interviews you see on TV where like the face is blurred and they distort the voice. Like that's what I sound like to Jack. And I just want everyone to know that. If you're listening on an iPhone right now, you could put it at half speed and figure it out for yourself. Cause that's what it sounds like. Are you a one times? No, podcast? I'm not. No, I'm not a serial killer. No. What? Wait, what do you listen at? Normal speed. One no. time. Oh no, 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 no. That's what I was asking you. And you said no. So oh, I thought you were going one five. I thought you were going like faster. No, 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 no. I, there are people, there are many, many successful people in the world who listen to two times audio and that two times podcast. I don't even know if our listeners like are advanced enough to know that you can do that. You can speed up the podcast so you get through it faster. Um, I did an audio book once where I was getting bored and I think I had it on like 1.2 or 1.3 and even that is too fast. So, well, it timing, especially when it comes to like jokes and, and podcasts, you, the humor is completely gone when it's 1.5. Yeah. And you're, um, you're just missing stuff like you are. Yeah. I don't need it. And plus I enjoy listening to the podcast, so I don't want, I don't need to, to rush it. I don't need to get through it. So the people who are listening at it for two times probably just need to absorb the information in order to do their job better. That's probably why they're doing it. Yeah. I think a lot of it too is like a commute situation. So if you have a 20 minute commute and you want to listen to a 40 minute podcast, whereas I think you and I listen to podcast, like I listen to podcasts walking around the house or like making dinner, I'll throw in a podcast. So I don't have any time constraints. I don't have a commute. Obviously you don't either. Yeah. Not a lot of people do these days. Um, I would, yeah, but even then I would just listen to the podcast in in two portions. Fair. I do that as well. Well, thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. Let's jump in. And can we start with the Britney doc? Are you okay with that? Yeah, totally. Okay. 
let's start with it is called oh no I actually don't know the name (laughs) if you go to Hulu and you search Britney Spears it's the first thing that comes up it's the New York Times presents I talked about this a couple weeks ago is a documentary series they've done this one I believe was the longest one they had done they have some shorter ones um and I was expecting a little shorter it's like an hour 15 I want to say so it's a quick enough watch um I loved it they skimmed they encompassed a lot of her life. So they talked a little about a lot, if that makes any sense, as opposed to, I thought they were going to go really, really in depth on the last five to 10 years, but I still really enjoyed that. They did a good job of explaining the free Britney movement. And you see all these videos of people like protesting outside courthouses in LA with, you know, hashtag free Britney signs. And on the surface, you might look at that and think like, oh, these crazy fans, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, it's this whole legal process that they don't know, but they're kind of in the right, I think, if you come out of this thinking that. Like, what was your take on the Free Britney movement, but also just the doc in general? The doc in general, I mean, I thought it was fine. Um, You said it was too short. I was kind of disappointed that it was just like an hour and 15 minutes because um, it didn't really tell me anything I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't realize that Britney was cheating on Justin. That was news to me. Oh my gosh. With Wade, the, do you know who she cheated with? The, who, who's Wade? Wade Robson, the Michael Jackson kid. Oh, the, really? Yes. Yeah, so the, so, the choreographer. So Wade was Britney and Justin, sorry, Britney and NSYNC's choreographer at the same time. Think of the Crimea River song. Justin says, I heard it from him. Cause he was friends with both of them. And so again, this is all like alleged speculation, whatever, but basically she, it was her choreographer. It was also Justin's and you know, whatever. And so yeah, that would have been cool. I would have been, I would have, would have been nice to know that we could have, we could have uh, spent a little time there. Wade's had a lot of stuff happen in his life where I feel like they just didn't honestly want to bring him into it. So um, that is like the, that is the, uh, I don't know, rumor, rumor from 2004, whatever it was. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, the, what is it, uh, conservatorism? Conservatorship. Conservatorship, the conservatorship. The most interesting part was not, I mean, it sounded like almost the right thing to do in 2007 when she was insane and she could have easily just, you know, ruined herself and ruined her financial situation forever. Uh, what the most interesting part of the whole documentary now is that no, no, there's not really a precedent of people getting out of conservatorships because it's usually placed on super old people who are knocking on death's door, not completely um, physically healthy people in their late twenties, mid thirties, which yeah. is where, I mean, now she's almost 40, right? But it seems like she's doing better mentally. And you would think a 40 year old woman would be able to take care of her. What did, what did she have? Like $85 million. Would they estimate it at? I don't even remember if they have a net worth for her because I, at this point, I don't know how you would know. So she has all the money from the Vegas residency, um, which is a lot of money. But then in other than that, like there's no revenue streams. Like there was a couple different, she was going to do like a pop-up in LA that got canceled with Corona. Like there's a couple different things, but she's, I mean, they talked about this in the documentary. She's refusing to work until her dad is no longer in charge of her finances, which it seems like we don't know when that's actually going to be. So there beyond what she's already sitting on and what he controls, I guess there are no revenue streams coming in whatsoever. Like she's not making a ton of money from 
streaming on Spotify. She obviously can't tour and won't do anything else. So I don't, I have no idea what her actual financials are. She obviously lives in a very large house. If you look at her Instagram, um, but I, it's what you said that was interesting to me is it didn't tell you anything you didn't know, which that's why I wanted you to watch it because I follow her on Instagram. I read all this stuff as it comes out. I look at her stuff all the time. And so it didn't tell me anything I didn't know either, but I didn't know if like the average person is up to speed on like the conservatorship and just everything that's happened. Yeah. I would say that I'm an average person in that respect. And I did know that her dad had complete control over her estate. I didn't know that he had such like a tight grip on it legally. Uh, so that stuff was interesting. I knew all about the free Britney movement. I knew about her like cryptic is she, isn't she messages in her uh, Instagram posts. I didn't know that there was a podcast solely devoted to Britney's Instagram, not Britney, not Instagram to Britney's Instagram. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that either, but as someone who follows her, like there is, it makes sense. there's enough content. I will tell you that. Mm -hmm. um, I actually lean on the side of like, I don't think she's sending out these secret messages and this is not a spoiler, but the documentary chose to end with a video of her playing with soap in a bathtub. And it was, you know, like soaps. It's like, oh, this soap is in the shape of a flower. And it was, it was um, literally just a tiny little soap in the shape of a flower. And she's like, look at this. It's so cool. It's a flower. And then she, she's literally in the bath as she's doing this. And then she puts it in the water and she's like, but it's just soap. And they ended on that as if it was some profound thing about how not everything is as it appears. But I really think Brittany was just playing with soap in a bathtub. And I, I do, I mean, hundred percent she wants out of this thing. She is, seems like miserable for it. And again, like she's refusing to work because she's not in control of what happens with the money she earns. However, I think a lot of these videos and pictures are just videos and pictures. I don't think that there is some like secret spy code that she's trying to send out to the people who run the Britney Graham podcast. Like, and I it, pe people yes. read into this stuff a lot. I agree because a, I don't think she's just that smart of a person to begin with. B what's from stopping, what's stopping her from going on your Instagram and saying, I hate my dad. I want out of this free Britney movement. You're absolutely right. This is like, this is horrifying. Please help me. What's, yeah, that, what's stopping her from doing that? The only thing is like, would that hurt her in her legal proceedings? But it wouldn't because that is a sound yeah, she could, woman. She, just op she can open up and say she's not asking for like violence or anything, but she could say, this is why I'm so frustrated. This is why, this is what is happening. This is what I want to see change, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. The, transparent. I don't know how much they went into it on the doc, but there's stuff where people will be like, wear yellow in your next post if you're- yeah if you're being held hostage and she'll wear yellow at some point in the next week and people will be like, see being held hostage. So it's like, mm -hmm. it is a little crazy on that front. However, obviously like the, the legal precedent for what she's dealing with, like you said, there isn't really one. And it's kind of insane that she really might be under this for, for her whole life. But it did make sense when she was going through a really tough time in like 2007 to 2010, it just doesn't make sense now. And so like the legal situation is one that is definitely interesting I also liked that they, I didn't really need this, but they went back into like her early years and why she was kind of became the superstar that she was. Like she really was just like charismatic and a celebrity of like a different era. And so I enjoyed seeing that because all I see of her now are these interesting videos on Instagram. And it was kind of nice to see like early Britney and why she was like the biggest superstar in the world at that point. Word. Any I want, other? I want I want that documentary really. 
I want the documentary of how she got famous. So diary. Do you remember MTV diary? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. Why? I do. Why do you say you seem so? Because sad. I wanted like a comprehensive documentary now. No, mm-hmm. I'm just saying I wish that they would drop those somewhere like Viacom, CBS, like put them on CBS All Access. Oh, it, oh, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because that, I just, came out, that, that came out in like 2004, 2005, didn't it? Hers would have been, but that show was on, I can think of it on in like 2001. That show was just, it was like all these celebrities before Instagram, but in a different time. And it was just like an interesting mini doc. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure they had some kind of approval of it. So it's, yeah, that's, just yeah, they, def, they definitely had final cut, but you still it was got, definitely like Sunny and Rosie. It was yet, painted them all in a very nice light. It painted them in a very nice light, but it also showed parts of your, their lives that you didn't get to see. So it's like, I mean, the tagline was you think, you know, but you have no idea. This is the diary of Britney Spears. Like it, it really was like trying to show you something you hadn't seen. So I just, please MTV, Viacom, whoever owns those, just put them on streaming somewhere because they would be so interesting to watch, but also give us a doc about Britney's whole life and how she became that footage is out there though. Like that was done back in the day. It's just all buried somewhere because it was in a different time of media. Any other thoughts on Britney? No, it's, I you it's, recommend, it, I recommend. Yeah, but it's not like, uh, I wouldn't plan your night around it. And like, let's be honest, the vast majority of our listenership is female and they've probably already watched it at this point. You know what? My friends are slow. They are. They, they're not like waiting by the streaming app for things to drop necessarily. They take a little time. They've got kids and stuff. Kids just it's, uh, it's an it. hour and fif- it's it's an hour and fifteen minutes. So that that part of it is attractive. But I wouldn't like plan your night around it. If That's fair. if if you have time, it's it's fine. Okay. What is your second wreck? Is that one of your wrecks? Yeah, my second wreck. I'm gonna I'm getting real weird with it. Um. It's called Generation War. It came out uh, eight years ago now. It's 2013. It's weird that 2013 was eight years ago. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, it's German. It's been uh, called the German Band of Brothers. It's about these five kids, two brothers. Uh, they're all like 23 to 25. And it picks up in the summer of 1941. And they're they are partying right before they go their separate ways for World War II. Two of them go to the Eastern Front. One is a nurse. She goes to be a nurse. One is an aspiring singer and one is Jewish. And uh, it is, I've, it's popped up for me as like recommendations for all these like crazy weird World War II document, documentaries I watch. I've just never had the, uh, the inspiration to sit down and do it. I sat down and did it this week. It is three hour and a half episodes and it moves quick. It's not a slow watch at all. Um, It's fast cutting. Each scene is no longer than like four minutes. So you don't have those like super long, boring dialogue-y scenes. Uh, Obviously it's German, it's in subtitles. It's a look at the Axis powers uh, from a perspective that we never get. And that's the perspective of the bad guys, obviously. Uh, it's just how, you know, when when the campaign started, uh, well, when it started for them, when it got real for them, when they were shipped off to war, for them, 1941, obviously the war started a little bit before that. Um, they thought they were being heroes. They thought they were, you know, 
liberators of the people in the East. And you, very quickly, they they realized that they were they were in the wrong, and it's how they were they struggled with that as the war continued and the war grinded out. The, especially like the last six months when they knew it was lost, they knew it was futile, but they had nothing else to do, or they didn't know what else to do. Uh, it's an interesting look there. And yeah, like I said, it's a true story. And I didn't realize it was true because it's so ridiculous throughout. And I'm, they had to have taken liberties with what happens to these characters. But um, it's, uh, it's a remarkable true story of these group of five friends. Where does it exist? What streaming is this on? This is on Amazon. Okay. Available on Amazon. And it was just like, you said it's in, it's literally a German show or it was, where a, was it produced? Germany. Okay. okay. So it's a. Yeah. Okay. Generation War. All right. I have no further questions. Yep. I, I figured you didn't. You didn't. It's an it's an odd one. Uh, I have kind of a weird tie into that. Let's see if I can get into this without it with it making sense. So, a really good Kristen Hanna book that I will recommend that is not one of my recommendations. It's called The Nightingale. It is a World War II book, and there is a character who's like one of the German soldiers who's kind of a sympathetic character in the sense that he seems like just a nice kid who's trying to follow orders and like do right what he thinks is right. Um, that is a phenomenal book. If you are looking for a book recommendation, The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. My second wreck, which is actually like not really a wreck. I think I'm going like side thumbs, thumbs down on this one is Kristen Hanna also wrote a book called Firefly Lane. Mm-hmm. It is now the number one show on Netflix, or at least at some mm-hmm. point it was the number one show on Netflix. Read that book. Think long and hard about watching the show. It is, the show is a mess. Um, mm-hmm. And I will tell you why, but it is, um, it is a phenomenal book. It's about female friendship. I don't know that you're the target audience, Jack. I don't, don't think you're the target audience for the show. <laughs> Did you dabble? Did you look? Do you know? No, I saw it was not. I saw that it was number one because I just, you know, I always pay attention to that. And um, I caught the premise. So I was like, not now. If it's number one three weeks from now, maybe I'll get, and I could, it's definitely already dropping. So it's probably not going to get my my attention. I think it's number one because they didn't have a ton of other big drops this week. And it's Catherine Heigl. And like, we're back. And obviously she did a lot of press for it. And sorry, I don't know the name of the woman who plays Kate. Um, I do know it, but I, it's leaving my brain right now. So it is two female friends. They're from Seattle. It's very Seattle. Christian Hannah is like a lot of Seattle references, um, Pacific Northwest. So shout out to her. She's a phenomenal writer, a uh, big favorite of our book club. And so the show follows two female friends. They start basically, I would say they're like 14 in Seattle in the seventies. And then it goes throughout their whole life. And actually you would like this component of it, Jack, they're um, TV reporters. So they start at like a Tacoma bureau when they're 22 and they're producing and they're getting coffee and they're working their way up to like their big on air break. And then it goes um, from there, their careers develop and their lives develop. And it's a really great premise. However, (laughs) the show is a little bit of a disaster because there are, I would say four to five, I should have counted this before, four to five timelines. So it's like they're 14 years old, they're 18 years old, they're 22 years old, they're 28-ish, and then they're like in their 40s. There's probably a, a t- timeline in their 30s too, honestly. So there's like six timelines. Katherine Heigl and the other actress who plays the other, the friend are in 
four of those timelines. So Catherine Heigl plays a 44-year-old talk show host at literally at the age of 44 and also a 22-year-old college student. And she doesn't look like a 22-year-old college student. And so it's confusing because you're watching it's you can't always tell what timeline you're in. Mm-hmm. You can sort of, but what they should have done is hire a third. So there's there's kids that play the kids, the teenagers. But once they go to college at the age of 18, they go to UW. I don't know, I don't know if they say UW in the show, but it's UW. Um once they're at college at the age of 18, it's Katherine Heigel. And she also plays a 44-year-old. And it was a really weird choice because it makes the show confusing. It's very distracting because they didn't do a good job of making these 40-year-olds look 22. And it's almost comical. Like, it reminded me of when Jennifer Aniston and Monica on Friends do flashbacks to when they're in high school. And for, like, comedic purposes, it's just yeah, they, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. The, with the plastic. It's over you know, the top. Yeah. It's over the top. It, 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 honestly, it's that bad. Like, it's like that where it's almost comedic, but it wasn't supposed to be. And so it's really distracting. They should have hired a third set of actresses to play them in their 20s, at least. And then they could have done like 30s and 40s. Um, so it's like almost on that, it's hard to watch. But then obviously, like the, cho- the choices they made for the um, it was adapted for TV and the choices they made were not great choices. I will not go into that because I'm not going to spoil anything. But the just the basic decision. I don't know who in that room didn't say like, let's get a third set of girls. Like, I don't know. Obviously Catherine Heigl was involved in the production of the show. I don't know how no one was brave enough to say like, we need new actresses because this is absolutely not going to work. So it was really tough to watch in that sense. If you can get past all of that and get over the confusion of what timeline you're watching there are some sweet moments. There are some redeeming things about it. Like I said, it's a phenomenal book, but it is a, it was an utterly wild choice that was made. I go both ways when it comes to hiring um, different actors for different ages, uh, because I think it can be distracting. Most notably the movie, The Debt. Have you seen The Debt? No. What is that? The Debt has, um, God, just a, Whoop, sorry. Jessica Chastain and Helen Mirren are the same person. Mm. And there's a bunch of them. Sam Worthington and when anyway, is this movie from? I know all of those people, obviously. It's about 10 years ago. It's wouldn't you know it? It's another World War II movie. Um, but anyway, my point is in that one, they're they're obviously, you know, Helen Mirren can't play a 22-year-old. So Jessica Chastain plays the 22-year-old but they just, they look nothing alike. And the same thing with the actors who played the young guys versus the old guys in um, contemporary, or it's like supposed to be like 1990 Germany. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I'm with you there. I go both. I I can't be satisfied when it comes to stuff like that. I'm bothered. I just, the, the young actresses they chose were great. And I just think that if they picked someone else that's honestly like, the other thing, too, is I think in the book, Tully was blonde, at least in my brain, she was. And Catherine Heigl dyed her hair a very, very strange color of brown for this. Catherine Heigl, to my knowledge, is naturally blonde. She was Izzy on Grey's Anatomy and was blonde in that. It would have been easier to find a young actress that's blonde and looks like her and then a mid-20s actress that's blonde and looks like her. Like, it would have been so easy to do that. It would not have been difficult to find someone who you could see as a young Catherine Heigl. Wasn't uh, Catherine Heigl can't like reverse canceled? 
She was canceled for being too woke and 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 feminist. No, she she's, was. She, I know she's famously difficult to work with. She's really yes. tough to work with. Yes, she. It was. It's almost the Anne Hathaway pl- uh, path plan, where basically in like the middle of Grey's Anatomy, Catherine Heigl didn't submit herself for an Emmy one year because she said that the material she was given was not Emmy worthy to work with. So she's like, "I'm not going to submit myself for Best Supporting Actress because my storylines this year have been subpar." And Shonda Rhimes was like, "You said what now?" And yeah. killed her off, and or sent her away. And so that diva moment kind of stuck with her and so no one really liked her she did like that rom-com with josh dumel and she did some random like random stuff but people didn't like her as an actress or a person anymore because gray's anatomy was incredibly popular and sean rhymes is an incredibly popular showrunner well she 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 killed knocked up too because when she was that, shooting the movie thought it was gonna she thought it was gonna be one kind of movie and then when she saw the cut she was like oh this is horrible Okay, I don't remember that, but that would have been pre her Grey's Anatomy freakout as well, correct? It would have been around the same time. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a Grey's guy. But she she slammed Judd Apatow and like all the guys involved in it. So she has gone after Judd Apatow and Shonda Rhimes, who again are two of the most beloved like showrunners, movie producers in Hollywood. So just like bad choice there. And I don't know. I think now there's this like, so she, she wasn't canceled, but people didn't like her for a long time. She was reverse canceled is what I'm saying. No, but you're saying so. You're saying she was uncanceled. What is reverse? Canceled? No, I guess she was canceled for being too woke. But she wasn't woke. To me, implies like she was like this isn't right. We shouldn't do the storyline because it's not fair to like a minority or it's not fair to someone. Like she wasn't woke at all. She was just rude. She was just saying that like the. I mean, that's like that's like what she's saying though in their in her press tour following uh, knocked up. Was she was too woke on? No, she was just saying this is too. This is this is filled with toxic masculinity. Oh. This is a terrible. This is a terrible message to young women. I can't believe this. Okay, so that was not the Grays. That was not her beef with Grays. It had nothing to do with like inappropriate. Okay, I see what you're saying. Basically, what happened was nobody liked her, and then this like Firefly Lane tour. It's like the redemption of Katherine Heigl. Like, can we learn to love her again? Was what she really did that bad? So. She was never canceled, but people are kind of trying to soften on her. Same with Anne Hathaway. People are kind of being like, were we too mean and critical? Is it because she's a woman? Like, there's definitely Mm. that same thing with both of them. Honestly, Katherine Heigl is not good in the show. She's just not. And like, I loved her on Grey's for the time period when she was good on Grey's. But this show is like, she was the wrong choice. And it's not a good show. I know some people have liked it. I also know some people have really not liked it. But it's just not really well done. Like it, it sounds like a no. Sounds like you can skip it. I feel bad because I wanted to like it and I just didn't. If you're looking for something to watch and you're not listen, desperate, listen, for listen, listen, email listen, friendship. Listen. I know I'm trying if to apologize you, for it. It's a really good book. Read, just read the book. If you wanted to like it and you still didn't like it, it sounds like it's bad. Like if you yeah. went into it, giving it every excuse in the book, no pun intended, um, then that, then it's not good and you shouldn't recommend it. Right. I also did watch all 10 episodes in like four days or five days. So it wasn't horrible. Like I gave it 10 hours of my life, I think is what I'm saying. I finished it. And it seems as though they are angling for a season two. I will probably start watching season two and just see what um, what they do. Because we've we have deviated from the book at this point. And I, they're going to 
make something else up. So um, read Kristen Hanna's Firefly Lane and The Nightingale and probably don't watch this show. What's your last rec? I probably won't do any of that. Um, Last rec is uh, Boy Oh Boy, back to Amazon, Amazon Original, Bliss. Have you seen this one? Sorry, I was drinking coffee. I um, have not seen it. I've heard of it. Give me if you give me a description, I'll know because I know that Selma, Hi- Selma Hayek, Owen Wilson. Yep, Owen Wilson. Yep. Is it where their faces are old and then young in the same poster? Yep. Okay. Yep. I don't know that yep. I knew that was Owen Wilson, um, but I've seen it, but I haven't watched it. Uh, I wouldn't watch it because oh, let right. me tell you this: full transparency. I punted midway through the movie. I couldn't do it. It is kind of like the matrix meets office space, but not thought provoking and not funny. Uh, Yeah. Selma Hayek meets Owen Wilson moments after Owen Wilson was fired and he has just gone through a divorce and he's just not all there. He's like, he's, he's got some significant family troubles and Selma Hayek convinces him that, the world is a computer simulation and that he's one of the real ones and she's one of the real ones. And yeah, that sounds silly and like it's been done before it's because it has, and it is, uh, I don't love it. I love Owen Wilson. I was confused. Like the, the, they like bend rules of physics like they do in the matrix, but in the matrix, you have a full understanding of why and how they're doing it. And in bliss, I had no idea what the rules were and what they could do physically because they had like magic powers out of nowhere. That sounds fun. It's not fun. It's weird because it's not like a fun movie. It's like, it's supposed to be like this powerful, weighty thought provoking thing. And it's just, it's not. I'm Googling Selma Hayek just to be like, what is she been up to? Um, just like, what has she been doing for 10 years? But she's in a lot of these random movies. She was in something called Drunk Parents. She's in a lot yeah. of stuff. Good for, I mean, I'm not worried about Selma. I think she's, I think she's, she's doing probably great. just she's, doing fine. She's married to some famous French CEO um, who seems to be doing well for himself as well. So that's a power couple that you didn't know about, but now you do. I was, I thought she was married to like Jeffrey Dean Morgan or someone, but I'm just making that up. <laughs> and that's why I was Googling her i thought anyway so she's are you thinking rosie perez no rosie perez was never married to jeffrey dean morgan no way i feel like rosie perez was married to someone famous well now i want to google who jeffrey dean morgan's married to um i don't think rosie i don't know if rosie perez was ever married to anyone famous i do not think of her as like relationships i think of her well that's unfair to rosie perez don't you think no, I just think of her work. I don't, I don't, I, her, whatever relationship she's been in have not made their way to my desk is what I'm he, saying. She's married to Eric Hayes, who He's, is an American, American graphic designer and art director. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Google Jeffrey Dean Morgan wife or like ex-wife. This is the Google portion of the show. We Jeffrey actually Dean Morgan. avoid these. We're pretty good about Googling while the other person talks. Anya Longwell. Is not famous. Hillary Burton. Oh. Oh. TRL, of TRL fame, Hillary Burton. Well, no, One Tree Hill, right? She's was on uh, TRL. Yeah, she was on. Oh, yeah, Peyton she, from One Tree Hill. Yeah, she's the main girl in One Tree Hill. 
She's not okay. Yeah, no, no the main offense girl, to Bethany Joy. Lens. I would even say the other chick is the main chick, Sophia Bush. Oh, yeah. A real ensemble cast when you think about it. By the way, that's um, I believe it is still on Netflix. That's one like binge. I think I'm gonna do like as like a background binge, and just throw Jeffrey, on One Tree Hill. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is 16 years older than Hillary Burton, but he looks great. She looks great too. Um, he's sure, got to be sure. what 50. She's got to be mid to late 30s. So he's like in his 50s. He looks great. All right. Um, are we done? Sorry, we just went way off the rails. Are we done with Bliss? Don't watch it. End of story. Uh, yeah, Bliss sucks. Okay. Unless I, uh, hey, unless I just don't get it. In which case, I'm never going to because I'm not going to watch it. That's how I feel about Firefly Lane. Just kidding. I got it and didn't like it. Okay. My last one is a positive wreck. Don't go in expecting your world to change, but I think you'll learn a little bit. I talked about it last week. It's called Fake Famous on HBO Max, probably also on HBO. Did you watch this? What's that? <laughs> Oops, dropped my phone. We gotta Sorry, work on I your was... we gotta work on your listening skills. Am I still a distorted um You are. You are. And <laughs> okay. I got a text from my boss. Mm, do you have to go? No, I don't. Okay. Fake famous. No, I haven't seen it. Okay. It's it's definitely worth a watch. Um, it's like an hour forty five, so it's worth it's worth that amount of time is what I'm saying. I always judge everything based on like what time I have to give to it and if it's worth it. And I think it definitely is. This is um, by Nick Bilton, who is a writer for it's Vanity Fair and someone else. He's New York Times, I don't know someone, but he reports on like tech and social media, and he has a good book called Hatching Twitter. He also wrote American Kingpin, which has been on my to-read list forever, and I have not read it. Um, it is, I, again, I talked about this last week. He takes three people who live in LA and who want to be famous. So apparently, I'm sure you've heard this. Like, if you ask... Didn't you already recommend this? I hadn't... No, it hadn't come out yet. You were like, what's dropping this week? And I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, this yeah. documentary. And so it came out... We We talked about that on Monday, and then it came out on Tuesday or Wednesday. So now I've actually watched it. And now I'm actually oh, recommending yuck. it from watching it. That was not a recommendation last week. That was just me telling you right. what I was excited okay. for. Okay. So it is good. It's interesting. Um, it went a little off the rails and the very last like 15 to 20 minutes, maybe a little bit more is Corona. So they started, I would say started shooting this like last summer probably. And, or sorry, whoa, summer of 2019. Yeah. yeah. Time is a flat circle. So they started summer of 19 and then you can tell they get a ways in and then Corona happens. And so the show or the documentary is like taking these people who want to be famous and buying them Instagram followers and making it appear that they are famous and basically seeing like, will brands give them free stuff? Will people look at them as influencers? And like, how will it change your life if you're just buying these bots, which is something you can do. I don't know if people know that, but I could go buy myself 10,000 Twitter followers and it would probably cost me 200 bucks. And then it would look like I have more Twitter followers than I do. Yeah. And you get all the, it, it, but if you, if someone were to really look into it, they'd find that like 70% of your followers are bots. That's an interesting thing I learned was that Nick Bilton, the director of this uh, documentary ran these people's, he was buying bots for these three people and he ran their names through those like search engines and it came up that like a lot of them their followers were legit so that software was wrong 
Um, but you can look into it. Basically what happens is you don't always get the likes and the comments and the engagement from it. So if someone has like 400,000 followers, but they're only getting a thousand likes, then they probably bought followers. Like you can kind of look at like the engagement and the relation from followers to likes and figure out if people are, you can buy likes too. Like that's all addressed in this documentary. Um, they go through stuff where they like fake photo shoots and they make, stuff look really cool and they make it look like you're at like the Viceroy or you're at whatever cool LA hotel, but you're really just in someone's backyard with a pool. Um, there is one influencer trip. You will not know what this is, but they do revolve. Like, I don't know what they call them revolve trips, which revolve is like a clothing brand, or I'm actually not fully sure what that is, but they take all these influencers and they put them in a house in Mexico. This is obviously pre-corona and they give them all these clothes and it's like obviously a very photogenic house and they just do photo shoots for the whole week and it's just promoting this clothing brand. Um, and so that's sort of what this is. They put like 20 influencers on a bus from LA to Vegas and they stop in the desert along the way for photo shoots. And these girls are just getting content and free stuff and whatever. And it's just interesting to see inside all of that and to see like, it's all kind of ridiculous um, but it examines it pretty well. And I think it's interesting. And there's stuff about like, right off the top, it's like 4 million people in the world have oh, a million followers or like, there's like 130 million people in the world that have a hundred thousand followers. So like what makes someone famous? Like, are you famous yeah. if you have that? You know, it's just, it's, it's interesting stuff that I think any, anyone who uses social media or has used it, I think would find interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You should watch it. That's a recommendation. Uh, doesn't I think The Rock has like two hundred million? Uh, the most followed person on Instagram, I believe, is Selena Gomez, and Ariana Grande is right around there. And then the Kardashian, um, some of those, some of them are around there. The Rock is probably the most followed man on Instagram. Are you good? Are you sure. It? Gaga is the most followed person on Twitter, I think. Are you sure what? I'm, uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> Unfortunately, I know that. What did you Google? Um, well, because you're wrong. Gonna... Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo has the most followers, 260 million. Ariana, Ariana Grande is 220 million. Dwayne Johnson, 216 million. Selena Gomez, 208 million. On Instagram? Yeah. This is as of February 4th, 2021. So you need to apologize to Cristiano Ronaldo and The Rock. I do follow The Rock. His cheat meal, cheat meals are crazy. But like he's been eating a lot of sushi lately, which is that a cheat meal? Like sushi's no, not bad for sushi's you. Sushi's fine. So his cheat meal a couple weeks ago was sushi and two cookies. But sometimes it's like 17 pancakes, you know, four bags of M&Ms and like whatever. So... Um, I recommend following The Rock. That's another recommendation from me. All right. This has been another episode of The Rec Center. We'll see you next week.